Praise the Lord. Good morning, Living Waters Church. I want to say amen to what uh, Joseph said about uh, Chad Leonard on this past Wednesday night. For any of you that weren't there, I really encourage you to go to the Waterhole app and uh, listen, to his, listen to his word. It was powerful. It will bless you and it will bless your family. Um, it was three weeks ago, I believe, that I was standing right here in this pulpit and um, was talking to you uh, about uh, consecration. And um, that consecration was an irrevocable giving of ourselves to God, that we would be living sacrifices holy and acceptable to Him, Romans 12.1. And also talked about confirmation to the Word. That we would not be conformed to this world, but we would be conformed to the Word. That we would be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we could prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12, 2. And along with the consecration and the confirmation to the Word, I talked about the fact that we need to be engaged in effectual, fervent prayer, because prayer leads to consecration. Consecration leads to prayer. And that prayer has to be composed of the will of God. We need to be praying according to the will of God, which is the Word of God. So our prayers should be full of the Word of God, which is the truth. It's eternal truth. It never changes. It's always the same. That was then, and today what I want to talk about is compassion. So we talked about consecration, confirmation, and now compassion. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation primarily today. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 23. So, in verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, He healed them all. That is Jesus' ministry. So wherever He went, He would go into the synagogue and He would announce the good news of the approaching kingdom and everyone that came to Him that were ill, sick, demon-possessed, paralyzed, it didn't matter what their condition, He healed them all. Let's look at what He did one day in a synagogue. So flip over to Luke uh, chapter 4. 
Many of you know this passage. Let's take a fresh look at it. And we'll start with uh, verse 16. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down all eyes in the synagogue, looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So what we began with in Matthew 4, where Jesus goes into the synagogue and He announces the good news and then He heals everybody that came to Him was predicted way before by the prophet that He would be the Anointed One. He would be the Messiah. He would be the One that would have come to announce the Kingdom of God and heal and set the captives free. So in Matthew 4, when we see this, and we see all of these people coming to Jesus, and He is healing them, He is fulfilling the Word of God. It foreshadows the John 10.10 that we know so well, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, the Good Shepherd, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So these people coming to Jesus with their, their illnesses, their, their weaknesses, their sicknesses are coming to Him because the enemy has sowed in them, has stolen from them, is killing and destroying, but Jesus is giving life. And it is abundant life. It is whole life. It is healing life. That is why Jesus came. It hasn't changed, church. So, um, flip over to Matthew 9. As I always say, I, what, what I am speaking to you, the Lord is working in me. My quiet times for the last week or so have been in Matthew, so there's no um, a question why I'm in Matthew today, because what the Lord has been pouring into me, I am pouring out to you. So look at Matthew 9. So we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is going into the synagogues, He's renouncing the good news of the kingdom, and He's healing everybody. And, and we're just going to kind of walk quickly through the first part of this chapter, but in, in chapter 9, right in the beginning, a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. He's paralyzed. Some, the, the men, his friends, have to bring him into Jesus. And Jesus says, um, uh, which is easier for me to say? My son, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk. And, 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 he, and he goes on to say, 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. This man was paralyzed. He couldn't move. And all of a sudden, he, is, he stands up, he picks up his mat, and he walks home. That's a miracle. I'm a physician. I ponder this over and over again, how someone who has been paralyzed for who knows how long and their muscles have wasted away and they probably have contractures and they're like this and their legs are like this and and they are entirely paralyzed and Jesus speaks to them and says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. All of a sudden, all those muscles become strong and they're all working together and they pick up the mat and he walks home. The next one is, um, uh, let's see. Um, Oh, so look down in 18. So Jesus, as Jesus is talking, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. So Jesus goes there, and in verse uh, 25, after the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. She was dead. And Jesus goes in, and with a word, takes her by the hand and says, get up. And she is alive. And she is restored to her father. And the news spreads throughout the countryside. The next one, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. And he says, do you believe I can make you see? And they say, Yes, Lord, we do. And he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. He restored the vision to the blind. A fulfillment of the prophecy that he read in the synagogue at Nazareth in Luke 4. 32, when they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. They exclaimed. All of this is, ha- this is all happening in one chapter. It's a fulfillment of why Jesus came. And you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with compassion? Oh, well, let me tell you. Look at verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And He healed every kind of disease and illness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Everything that Jesus is doing springs out of His compassion. Compassion. Let me tell you what compassion means. 
the dictionary says, compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. That's compassion. The Greek word here, this is, this is real interesting. The Greek word for compassion in this passage is splonknitsomai. Splonknitsomai. And it actually literally means to be moved as to one's bowels. And because they thought at the time, and even, and, and even today, you, you might think, that our emotions or our compassion, our pity, the mercy for someone else in need emanates from our belly, from our, from our gut. And as a matter of fact, splanknitsomai, splanknik, is the word that we use today. And in medicine, we have... In our, in our bodies, anatomically, we have the splanchnic nerve. It's in our, uh, our body, uh, it, it comes out of the spinal cord, and it, it innervates all of our internal organs. So splanchnic means the viscera, or the bow, the organs, the internal organs. And so that is where compassion comes from. It emanates from deep inside of us because we see others that are in need that are helpless, they're confused, and, it, and as the dictionary says, it, it, it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. That's, that's why Jesus was going around, and He had compassion on them, and, and they were without a shepherd, as if they were without a shepherd. And that's why He announces the good news, and He heals everyone that comes to Him. It's God. Compassion is God's attribute. Let me read Psalm 86.15. I'm going to read this one from the New King James Version. It says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. That's who He is. That is His nature. And that nature was in full display in His Son, Jesus. That very same Jesus, <clears throat> if you know Him, if you have asked Him into your life, if you have opened up the door and asked Him to come in and sup with you and you with Him, that very same Jesus that we're reading about right here lives in you. And if He lives in you and His attribute is compassion, then guess what? If you are a new creation in Christ, if you have been reborn, then compassion has been born in you. We can have compassion. <clears throat> so, if we're going to be compassionate, 
if we're going to walk in compassion, then we must be able to see. If you go back to this text, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds. So he looked out at the crowds and he saw them and he saw them in this state of confusion and helplessness like sheep without a shepherd. And so we too, as the followers of Christ, must look out and see the helplessness around us and have the attendant desire to alleviate the suffering. I have been, I, I am amazed every day. I look out at the world and I see the confusion reigning in the world. I see the darkness. I see the helplessness. I see the desperation in the world. And we have the God of compassion living inside of us. And the very same God who was announcing to the world the good news that lives in us, we announce the good news of the kingdom. And that there is an answer, there is a healing, there is a good shepherd who gives abundant life. To me, when I look out and I see that helplessness, I'm overwhelmed. Especially when I think of just me. What am I going to do? How am I going to impact this world? And then that's when we are driven to prayer. See, I started out with prayer. Prayer is, is the uh, companion of consecration. And prayer is also the companion of compassion. So we go to the one who is pure compassion and we bend our knee and we raise our face to Him and we cry out to Him and say, Oh, Father, all of the helplessness I see around me, what can I do? How do I move? What is my next step? And we spend time in prayer and seeking His face. And it's an effectual, fervent prayer that avails much. Why do I say that? Because that's what Jesus said. Let's look at the next verse. So He's just now, it's talking about Him going out and He's healing and He saw the crowds and He had compassion on them. And the very next verse He says to His disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. That's the result of compassion. I submit to you that the lack of laborers in the harvest 
is due to and is the consequence of the lack of prayer. Oh, we can send people out apart from Christ without even seeking His will. We can, we can grab somebody and, and make them a missionary, but, but it's going to be ineffectual. Because God is the one who chooses the laborers. He is the one that fits them, equips them, and sends them out. Jesus is the example of that. If you look at John um, or Luke 6:12, he prayed all night long one night to the Father. And in that prayer all night long to the Father, the Father reveals to him the names of twelve men who are going to become the twelve apostles. And the next morning, Jesus chooses those twelve apostles. So Jesus was praying to the Father, and the Father chose the laborers by name. And look what happens. So we're back in Matthew uh, chapter 9, very end. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His fields. Chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called His twelve disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here's the names of them. The twelve listed there. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. He appointed the laborers. He equipped the laborers and He sent the laborers out. And it all springs from compassion. If we have no compassion, then we're not going to do anything. Flip over to Matthew 14. I want to take a quick picture or look at a picture of compassion in action. Verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, and the news was about the death of John the Baptist, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening the disciples came to him and said, "This is a remote place and it's already getting late." as if Jesus didn't know that. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. 
But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. <laughs> so what comes out of compassion is not the world's way. Oh, it's late. Um, just send them to the uh, 7-Eleven over there in the village and let them buy something and, to eat. And Jesus says, uh, no, that's not necessary. You feed them. You serve them. You supply their need. When Jesus is present, he can take five loaves and two fish and feed over 5,000 people and have 12 baskets left over. So church, when we allow compassion to well up in our belly, from which, by the way, rivers of living water flow out, the Holy Spirit, when we see the helpless and the confused, those without a shepherd around us, Jesus says, feed them. The last chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus has risen from the dead. <clears throat> the disciples are beside themselves, and Simon Peter has this brilliant idea, and he says, well, let's go fishing. So they launch out on the Sea of Galilee, and a man shows up on the beach and calls to them, and it's Jesus. They rush to the shore. Jesus has breakfast ready for them. They have breakfast, and after breakfast, Jesus corners Simon Peter, and he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And of course, Simon Peter answers, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, Then feed my sheep. And he tells him, asks him, and tells him three times. Now, run forward to the day of Pentecost. A Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. There's confusion in Jerusalem. You hear that? There's confusion in Jerusalem. And Peter steps up and he looks out and he sees the confusion and he has compassion and he preaches and 3,000 people are saved that day. Jesus fell on them by His Spirit Peter steps up, and he feeds the sheep. And 3,000 are added to the church. And that's what I call jump-starting the church. <laughs> that day. I want to wrap up with a little story um, from my own life in the life of another man. In uh, 1975 to 1976, I spent one year on a remote tour in the Republic of Korea. 
as a forward air controller, flying the OV-10 at the time. And um, during that year there, a lot of things happened, and I could go on until 4 o'clock this afternoon talking about that, but I won't. Uh, but one thing I did do during that year is I read this book. It's called J. Hudson Taylor, God's Man in China. It's an abridged edition of the two-volume biography of J. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor um, was a missionary to China. And in reading this book, th this man's life probably has had the most profound effect on my own life, bar anyone else. I've read this book innumerable times since. Um, when Hudson Taylor, as a young man in England, had this overwhelming compassion for the Chinese people. There were millions of Chinese passing into eternity without ever having heard the gospel. And it weighed heavily on Hudson Taylor, and he knew God called him to go to China to spread the good news of the gospel of Christ. So he leaves, uh, and, and he takes a six-month voyage uh, across the ocean, and he lands in China in 1854. He is 21 years old. Just him, by himself, with meager resources. I want to read a paragraph from the book to you because this is a great picture of what I've been talking to you about this morning. One cannot but be impressed with the sacred ambition of Hudson Taylor's prayers. A subject worth pondering if it is true that prayer, not circumstances, mold the life. And that as are our deepest desires before God, so will the trend of our outward experiences be. Certainly nothing is more significant in the life before us than the longing for usefulness and likeness to the Lord He loved. Not honor or success, but usefulness. Widespread usefulness was His constant prayer. His prayers were indeed to be answered beyond anything he asked or thought, but he must pray with yet fuller meaning and go through with all the training needed at the Master's hands. The iron must be tempered to steel, and his heart made stronger and more tender than others through having loved and suffered more with God." He was pioneering a way in China, little as he or anyone else could imagine it, for hundreds who were to follow. Every burden must be his, every trial known as only experience can teach it. He who was to be used of God to dry so many tears must himself weep. He who was to encourage thousands in a life of childlike trust must learn in his own case deep lessons 
of a father's loving care. What happened in this life was the China Inland Mission was born from this one man being essentially washed ashore on the coast of China at 21 years of age, and uh, later on, 1,000 missionaries were in every province of China because of one man's compassion for millions of people who needed to hear the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to end with this, that the Lord Jesus gave Himself for us to free us from the law of sin and death, to uh, set the captives free, to free us from oppression. And it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. In the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. And so He has implanted us with compassion. And we need to nurture the compassion. We need to look out and see what is around us and allow that compassion to spill out of us. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot do it on our own. We pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into the harvest. There's going to come a day right here when Living Waters Church is going to see thousands of people coming to Christ. There is going to come a day when people will be turning to the Lord. They will be healed. They will be established. They will be strengthened. And they will be sent out because we prayed to the Lord of the harvest. You are the workers. And so my plea, my urge to the church is to go into your prayer closet and pray to the Lord of the harvest and say, Father God, here I am. What do I do? What is the next step? What is it going to look like? Then gather in your small group and pray together. Pray that prayer. Let your ears hear one another praying to the Father in heaven and see how our Father in heaven answers the prayer. He will. It's His will. So, do we have a prayer team today? Frankie, if I could ask the prayer team to come up front. I don't know what the Holy Spirit has been doing in your heart. Anybody listening to this uh, broadcast? Um, I don't know what He's doing in your heart, but the Holy Spirit knows. And it's time for the church to be the church. There's a world out there that, that is dying. They're helpless and they're confused. And um, we're the church. And so uh, if, if you want to this morning, I ask you to come up to the prayer team and just confirm with your mouth that that's, that's where you are. That's what you want to do.
I, I, want, I want the compassion to well up on the inside of me and to, um, and to spill out of me along with the rivers of living water and then, Lord, use me. Just like Hudson Taylor, he wanted to be widely useful. He didn't want to live a wasted life. And so, um, stand up, if you will, and we'll, I'm going to close in prayer, and then you can come up and, and pray with the prayer team, and, um, and, uh, and then go into your prayer closet and, and talk to the Lord and, and let Him know what's on your heart. He already knows what's on your heart, but He wants to hear you express it. Amen. Father God, I thank you for uh, this gathering. I thank you for this church called Living Waters Church. I thank you for all the amazing things you have done so far. I thank you for all the orphans and widows who have been rescued and cared for because of compassion. I thank you for the, the great and mighty things that haven't even happened yet and that we don't even know of that will come to pass because of Your Word to us today. And I ask You, Father God, to um, confirm, confirm in our spirit what You are transacting. That we would be filled with hope. That we would be like that, that, that early group of people that saw all the miracles Jesus was doing and they were amazed and the news spread throughout the countryside. I pray that now, Father God, that that would happen here. I thank You, Father, that You are faithful. We sang about that. And all of Your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my prayer, Father, is that all of that would come to pass and we would see it with our eyes. We praise You. We worship You. We honor You as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, Please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.